Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 458 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Sunday, November 13th, 2022. We missed it the other day, but we hope everyone had a good Veterans Day. Uh, if you had the day off, that's great. Hopefully you got to spend time thinking about veterans and and uh, the way that they have uh, made an impact on your life. We None of us are veterans. We are the Duke Basketball Report, though, and we are going to talk to you about a whole bunch of good Duke news because Duke beat Virginia Tech in a football game, which is not weird anymore. Uh, Duke beat USC Upstate in a basketball game, which was also very not weird. And so that puts us generally in a good mood. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein. I'm coming to you from my home in Cambridge, Massachusetts. I am joined, as always, by Donald Wine and Jason Evans. Jason, sir, good morning. Hey, uh, I am. It was a successful first week of the season for Duke Blue Devil basketball, and I am eager to talk about it, my friend. Donald Wine is also here, not at home, but he is present. That's correct. And, uh, you know, we don't get a lot of these football, basketball joint weekends. So for both of them to end the weekend with the W, we're going to take that. I like that. Yeah, we like that a lot. All right. So as hey, I Sam, said, Sam, can can I note Donald sounds tired? Donald, <laughs> I was at a wedding last night. So, yeah, I am tired. Did you get after it? We've been dancing. We did a lot of dancing. Yes, Donald, it is. It is too early. We're, we're recording particularly early on Sunday morning. I am shocked that this is what you wanted to do. This is not what I wanted to do, but this is what I had to do to to be a part of the podcast. So this is this is the links we will go. At least we'll go to to make sure we get the news. Okay, as I said, uh, big weekend for Duke. Friday night, uh, Duke takes down USC Upstate in a basketball game. The final score was eighty four to thirty eight. The game was basically it wasn't that close. (laughs) Yeah, the game was was pretty much over at halftime, which is especially shocking given that Upstate got out to a seven zero run at the beginning of the game and then duke like i don't know what happened they looked down at their jerseys and they were like oh oh shoot we're du- we're we're duke sorry we, we forgot for a second and then uh saturday uh, duke takes down virginia tech in football somewhat of a similar story uh virginia tech forces a three and out early in the game uh on the on the first possession takes the ball downfield scores a touchdown and then after that it's basically all duke the rest of the way so here's what we're going to do We are going to talk about the basketball game. We are going to do a quick preview of the Kansas game. Duke is playing Kansas in the Champions Classic this week, Tuesday night. It's the big one. Uh, It's a top 10 matchup, depending on who you ask or or what rankings you're looking at. And the matchup that Duke fans sort of wish we had gotten in the national championship game this spring. We will then take a break. We will talk about the football game. We will do our first player of the week selection for this year's men's basketball season, and then we will call it a day, and we will return after the Kansas game to talk about that. Gentlemen, if that sounds good to you, let's start with the basketball game. As I said, 84-38, to there were a lot of of standout performances, I think, from Duke in this one, but let's start with the headlines. Donald, I'm going to let you go first. My headline was Duke D sends Spartans into abyss. Ooh, that's a good one. The The defense, of course, limiting uh, USC Upstate to fewer than 40 points, which is always a good output. Jason, I'm going to let you share your headline. And then if you have listener headlines that you want to share, go for them. My head, I think everyone is going to have a headline that, that sounds like the same thing. I, I also played off on the, the defense. I said Duke starts with D um, because 
the word Duke starts with the letter D and uh, and Duke's game here uh, really was focused on their defense. The the best listener headline that we had was from Jared Strauss, um, who said Duke D clamps down on upstate. Um, so thank you, Jared. Oh, the down and the up going on. Yes. Yes. I like that one. I uh, I had a I had a different flavor. Uh, I went more uh, opposing team pun and I just went for this isn't Sparta. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Yeah. So uh so that's good. Let's uh let's do the uh let's do the good, shall we? We'll 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 start with the good. We'll do the bad. I have some aesthetic observations that I want to make. But Jason, why don't why don't you get us kicked off here with the good? And and there are a few players I'm hoping that you're gonna start us off with, but you can take whichever one you want. Yeah, if I, if we're gonna talk about players and, and there there certainly is plenty to talk about on defense because we just alluded to that in the highlights, but uh, I'm sorry, in the uh, headlines, but if we're if we're gonna start with players, I, I wanna start there are three guys who I wanna really specifically call out. Um the first is Kyle Filipowski. Um he begins his career with two double doubles. Uh he had a double double in each of Duke, Duke's games this week. Um he joins Marvin Bagley, by the way, as the only freshman in Duke history to have double doubles to start that their career. That's pretty, uh, pretty heady company for, for Kyle Filipowski to be joining. Um, it, look, obviously we need to see him keep doing this as we step up in competition. Um, but his rebounding thus far has been tremendously impressive. He seems to, um, he seems to have a, a, a great knack for grabbing the ball and making sure no one else gets it because he's big and he's strong and he knows how to use his size to dominate the paint. Um, he really loves the spin move in the lane. And I worry that, you know, against better competition, he may pick up some offensive fouls with that spin move. I'm not sure he knows exactly where it's going, but but he does have impressive offensive moves. Um, he is able to get his shot. Look, he he missed a couple of the close ones that I think he may make more often than not. He he only shot four of eleven in this game, but uh, but his versatility, his ability to to do it in the post. And also do it out on the perimeter. His passing ability. Cal Filipowski to me is showing a tremendously versatile game for a guy who's so new to his college career. And and again, the rebounding. He he blocks shots again in this game. He, he's doing everything you would want from from a freshman big man. And then really quick, the other two players that I wanted to specifically shout out. Um, you mentioned Sam Duke started out this game down seven nothing, and and looked like we weren't. We weren't playing with the right intensity. We didn't have the right kind of focus. And two guys came in off the bench and completely changed that. And that's Jalen Blakes, Jalen Blakes and Jacob Grandison. Um, the, the the whole energy of the arena and of the Duke team shifted when those two guys came in. They play awesome on defense. They are in your shorts. They know how to play help defense. There were several times I noticed Jacob Grandison's help defense is take some time at some point and just watch him. If you can, because he recognizes where his when his man is dangerous and when his man is not, and when his man is not dangerous, he goes and he helps other guys, and and it's really it, it's advanced stuff. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. You know, th this is a guy who's like twenty four years old. He's been in college. <laughs> he's been in college for a long time, but this is a guy who really, really knows how to play defense. And then Jalen Blake's brings so much intensity, so much energy uh, on both offense and defense. And I thought those two guys. Just transit the game just transitioned when they came in and it went from that seven zero lead to Duke running away from running away with it. And I think that those guys were a major part of why. Jason, you mentioned Kyle Filipowski. Just want to let you know that 
we have had two games, and now we have two guys who have led the team in scoring, uh, a prelude to a nod to our stats game. Uh, that I think that number is obviously going to go up as we all predicted in that game, but uh, a double-double to, to lead the team again. I'm just gonna let you guys right now know right now that's my player of the week um, because you know having two double doubles to start your career, not a bad showing for your first week of college basketball at least you know regular season college basketball. I do want to shift to the defense because the defense I thought was incredible during the game. Uh, there was a point where I think I mentioned to both of you I said, "Hey, do we think we're gonna let Upstate get to 40 points?" And the answer was no, um, which is not a, which is a very rare feat. A lot of teams don't hold other teams to under 30 point, 40 points does not matter who they're playing. So uh, kudos to the defense for that. Our rebounding, I thought was spectacular. 52 rebounds. Again, a stat that you don't see a lot teams getting 50 rebounds or more. We got 52 in a regular season game. I believe they only had 25. Right? And, and and Donald, like you said, for the second game in a row, we had as many or more rebounds than the opposing team had points. That's yeah. crazy. I like that stat. This is a stat that we should keep going the rest of the season. I think we'll be all right if we do that. Uh, but, I mean, that means these guys also, like you said, Jason, our defense is so in your face. It's so, like, right it's, – it's so aggressive in the fact that they are able to get after guys. And, again, some of the things that USC of State did in that first three minutes of the game when they wouldn't open up a 7-0 lead to start the game – we just said, okay, we could do that too, and we're and we're better at it than they are. So let's keep doing it. So a lot of those tip drills and, and getting the ball going, you see two, three, four guys going the other way with the basketball very, very quickly. Our transition uh, offense is going to be a real key to this team this year if we can continue to get these stops on defense and be so aggressive that we can get out on the flow on offense. Jason, you mentioned how Blakes and Grandison came in, and even Derek Lively uh, there when when Duke was was not looking strong in the first few minutes of the game, and and kind of changed the speed a bit. And I love the way that John Shire was able to go to his bench and and call up defensive pressure from different guys. I think sometimes it can be hard if you have the short bench like Coach K would favor to tell guys, hey. It's you know time to time to turn it on on defense or or, or time to change the way you're playing because it's it's the same guys on the floor. Coach Shire was able to to call up different guys from the bench, and I think it emphasizes how useful it is that Duke has all this depth this season. And by the way, so Derek Lively played in this game, which was exciting. He didn't get I think as many minutes as as he will once he's fully back and healthy and and running with the team uh, completely in practice. We still haven't seen Derek Whitehead, who is also supposed to be a good defender. So there are there are a number of guys on Duke who are able to make a, a big impact on defense. I think that, you know, we'll talk about the play of the game later, but I think it'll be hard to pick against Jalen Blake's block. Right. I mean, what is Jalen? Well, it wasn't just the block. It, it's the whole play. It's the block, the, 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 the block the and, the, and, and the, the and transition and the dunk, dunk yeah. and everything. I mean, it was it was incredible. Uh, so so I love I. Jason, I love that you called out Jalen Blake's intensity on defense because that's the kind of spark that Duke might need. Uh, you know, in this game, it was it, this is sort of a tune-up, right? It, it Duke was slow at the beginning, but managed to to pull away. But there will be games, and Jalen Blake's is likely not going to start any of them. But there will be games where Duke gets down, and Blake's has to come in and make an even bigger impact, and has to turn Duke out of an even bigger hole. And and I I am so glad to see that happening for him early. I think the best part of our defense is that it can come from anywhere on the floor. It can come from anyone on the floor. It's not like where there's one guy who's the engine. There's 
anytime there's Duke on the floor, there's five guys who can be the catalyst for a big defensive play. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's speaking, Sam was talking about the versatility. I noticed at one point in the game that um, Duke had uh, Mark Mitchell, Kyle Filipowski and Derek Lively in the game together, um, which isn't that surprising. I mean, our, our starting lineup is, is Mitchell Lively. I'm sorry, Mitchell Filipowski and Ryan Young. Um, but but that's a ton of size to have in the game. But the, the point of it was, so they had those three guys in there and uh, there was a stop in play and Duke brought in a sub. That stub was Jalen Blake's and Blake's came in and Derek Lively went out. And I was like, we just brought in ostensibly a point guard for a center, but the lineup still makes a lot of sense. That's the kind of versatility that this team has. And it really, it, it it's fun to see. I, Okay, let me talk about the defense a little bit because I, I did all those players first and let you guys do the defense first. Duke has given up 82 points through two games. <laughs> That's absurd. That is, you ready for this stat? And thank you to Mike DeGeorge and the Duke Sports Information Department for giving me this stat. Wait until you hear this one. That is the fewest points allowed by Duke for their first two games of the season since 1946 47. When the Blue Devils beat, wait for our opponents that year, we beat High Point 44 to 29 and Haynes Hosiery 44 to 43. I want to repeat that. The Blue Devils defeated Haynes Hosiery. <laughs> I bet the uniforms were really good in that game. Is that like a what? I mean, that's not a college. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but that's who we played and we beat Haynes Hosiery. And as a result of beating High Point and Haynes Hosiery, the, uh, that is the previous time that Duke has allowed this few points through their first two games of the season. Uh, it, it's worth noting that in modern times, we ha- there is a precedent for this, so to speak. I, like I said, we have allowed 82 points through two games. In uh, 2005, we allowed 87 points in our first two games. We played BU and Seton Hall, slightly slightly <laughs> more recognizable names than Haynes Hosiery. But, but in any event, we are doing historic stuff on defense thus far. Um, after holding Jacksonville in our first game to 34% shooting, it got even better. South Carolina upstate only hit 27% of their shots in this game. And in the preview for this game, I told you all to watch out for Jordan Ganey, one of the best shooters in all of college basketball. He went one for five on three pointers against Duke. This is a guy who usually hits about 50% and he struggled to get off his three pointers and he struggled to hit them. Um, he ended up Ganey had five turnovers. That was all part of Duke forcing 23 turnovers. That's a huge number. You force 23 turnovers, you're winning the game. Um, by the way, Duke had 13 turnovers, and you know we we committed 12 against Jacksonville, and we said 12 is that number that we're like, that's the upper range of, of where we sort of feel comfortable. But it's worth noting that of the 13 turnovers, four of them came in the final five minutes when the walk-ons were playing. So I don't really hold that, you know. And I, I think know, three was, came in the first, like, two minutes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it was a reasonably clean game after those ugly first few minutes. And I did want to specifically mention one guy. I was pretty critical of Ryan Young's defense in the first game. I thought his hedge and recover was not very good against Jacksonville. Uh, he he proved me wrong. He proved that was a aberration. I thought his his ability to hedge and help on the perimeter and then recover back to his man was outstanding in this game. And, and it really showed up. There was one specific play where he hedged out onto Ganey. Um, the three-point shooter to not let Gain. Uh, yeah, I think Tyrese Proctor or someone had gotten screened, and Ryan Young made sure that Ganey wasn't going to get off a three-point shot. And then Ryan Young recovered back onto his man, 
um, and blocked his guy's shot at the rim. And, and I just thought it's it's it is great to see the Duke big men playing help defense the way they are in this game. Um, and the notion that we're just beginning to get Derek Lively back. Wow. I mean, this this team's defense couldn't be better. And yet with Lively and then eventually Whitehead back, it probably will get better. I think the last final point that I have is something that we can improve on, and that's the intensity at the start of games. Of course, this game, you know, USC Upstate went out to a 7-0 lead, and they were very, very animated to start the game. They were very active in, you know, against big teams, no matter what. I think this team learned its first lesson that every time someone lines up to play us, they're going to have their intensity ratcheted up a lot higher than normal. We need to match that intensity. Of course, this we were able to do that the rest of the game but we need to make sure we do that for all 40 minutes. All right, Donald, let's uh let's talk about the bad real quick before we uh before we get to the Kansas preview. Give me give me something that you want specifically uh Duke to improve on from this game. I think it's the turnovers. Um you know, again, Jason mentioned that there's, you know, a couple of gaps at the beginning and the end where a lot of those turnovers were created, but taking care of the basketball is just a general thing that I want to see continue to improve as this team gels. Of course, we're, we don't have all of our pieces yet, so that chemistry is not going to fully be there until that happens. But I think as we continue to do that, if we can get that number of turnovers down under 10, I think we're in great shape. The weird lack of intensity and focus at the beginning of the game, I think is the, is the part that's most concerning for me. Not that I think that's going to persist, especially because, you know, John Shire can sit them all down, show them the tape from that first three minutes and be like, guys, get your heads out of your butts. We're, we're playing a basketball game. Like we're, we're on the court now, you know, figure it out. So uh, maybe it's good that it, that it happens in a less consequential game like this one or one where Duke was able to recover because if Duke goes down seven, nothing to Kansas on Tuesday night, I, I don't want to see what sort of happens the rest of the way. Jason, what do you have on the, on the bad from this game? I mean, it's obvious. It's clear that you should, anyone should identify the first few minutes as, as bad from Duke. But beyond that, I did want to mention, I, I thought we were sloppy at times, not just at the start, but there were times, you know, in the second half where I saw Duke, Forcing some shots, I thought Mark Mitchell and Kyle Filipowski especially, there were times where I was watching the play and I was like, okay, they have decided that they're going to take a shot here. And and they did, and they generally missed it. And and that's not, you don't want to see that kind of thing happen. You want guys to be open to something other than I'm taking the ball to the rim here and no one is going to stop me because sometimes there's going to be someone who can stop you. Um, so I, I'd, I'd like to see a little less forced shots. Also, I think... We absolutely have to talk about this. Tyrese Proctor looks very tentative on offense. Um, he he disappears for long stretches of the game. Um, he's he just doesn't look comfortable out there. Now he's still playing excellent defense, um, but he looks nothing like a future lottery pick. The the way he's been touted and the way we've been sort of hearing about his play from practices and the such. Um, I, I, look, there's a lot of time. But at the moment, I'm I'm more comfortable with Jalen Blakes on the floor than I am with Tyrese Proctor. I was pleased. There was a moment in the second half where on back-to-back possessions, Tyrese Proctor scored a bucket and Jaden Shute scored a bucket. And and for both of them, it was their first basket of the year after going over in our first game. And it's important for those guys to see the ball go through the hoop. But for a guy who projects to be as important as Tyrese Proctor is, uh, I'm, I'm bothered by how much he is struggling to get his game synchronized with what the rest of the team is doing. 
uh, again, playing good defense, but but on the offensive end, Tyrus Proctor is a complete non-factor, and he's not facilitating as much as I thought he would. Um, he'll get there, but but it, but that's you have to mention that in the bad. It's weird. Oh, and you know the other thing that was bad, really quick. The other thing that was bad was the walk-ons played like six minutes and they failed to score, which which is not good. If you pick the walk-ons to score at all in the stats game, that's not good. Yeah, not not great. But the, the I want to go back, Jason, to Tyrese Proctor because it's interesting that he does seem so effective on defense, particularly uh, as a helper on defense, because that usually takes more time to pick up uh, than than being able to create your own offense. And he's he's big and strong enough and, and has a good enough handle that I'm surprised that his offense hasn't come along. But like you said, maybe it'll it'll just take a little bit more time for him. And and we'll talk about Kansas in a minute. But hopefully there's enough time in the schedule here that Tyrese Proctor gets a few more reps that are not at, you know, in, in the highest intensity for him to to work out whatever's missing there. I think he's deferring too much. I saw a lot. You know, I watched a lot of highlights and, and, and other stuff of him from playing in Australia. He has this uh, really lethal uh, step back jumper that he that he was on display all the time when I saw him. And he's yet to even attempt that at Duke. It, it, it's it's surprising I, I don't know I don't, maybe it's deferring maybe it's just you know not feeling comfortable taking that shot I I, I don't get it but it, it it's he does not look like the player he looked like when when you saw him playing in Australia so guys let's do the play of the game as we have decided we're introducing this season uh, and Jason tell me why you're not taking the Blake's dunk and subsequent uh, rim run uh, or pass up to Derek lively for the dunk. If you're not taking it, I'm taking that <laughs> There's that play happened. And by the way, ridiculous block shot by Jalen Blake's from and, and, directly and it, from behind. And he's like six, two. Yeah. And, and that's one of those. It's such a momentum changer. The other team's racing up. They are about to score points for sure. And uh, you know, the chase down block on, on the layup is just, it's just one of the most exciting plays in the sport. Um, so, yeah, I'm 100% taking that play. But if I had to pick something else that was the play of the game, my other play of the game would be with 11 minutes left, I believe in the first half. Yeah, I wrote 11 minutes. I'm not sure if I meant 11 minutes in the first half or the second half. But with 11 minutes left in one of the two halves, the shot clock was running down. There's about six seconds left, and the crazies went three, two, It was one. in the first half. It was the first half, yeah. And one of the South Carolina upstate guys threw up just a desperation, like, oh, my God, the shot clock's about to go off. He had like three or four seconds left. The crazies absolutely deked him into taking a bad shot. I love it when the crowd impacts the game. Way to go, Cameron Crazies. It almost never works. That It that never trick. works. It's Come my on. favorite. It's one of my we favorite. To, we used to make it work all the time. But, like, as, as you know, we've evolved, college basketball players have become more cognizant of things like shot clocks. And well, and, and and they also might have a little bit more knowledge of just what goes on at, at Cameron Indoor. None of this is a secret, right? It's it's on national TV. Actually, this game was not. I would just say that this game was not on national TV. Uh, this this was deep in the streaming hole of ESPN. But generally speaking, uh, if you're watching any film on Duke that's happening at Cameron Indoor, you'll pick up on the fake countdown thing, and uh, and you'll tell your players, "Hey, don't listen to the crowd." You know, I was but, surprised but the it crowd totally worked. I was surprised the crowd didn't go more crazy when it happened. If I'd been there, I would have been flipping out. <laughs> I love I love that stuff. The the, the crowd definitely uh, got right back into the game when Duke got into it. And and upstate seemed seemed went from 
confident to lost very quickly. Donald, did you have any other plays you wanted to highlight? No, it was the Blake's play. Like, I don't even need to explain it. That's it was what so, it was. Like, I, 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 I saw it. I, I, I stopped it and I rewound it and I was like, did that really happen? That was that was cool. Okay, guys. We, I, we, I have... By the way, we got we got about five emails from listeners. All of them said the Blake's play was the play of the game. It's like sometimes sometimes there's a debate. No debate. I have uh, one. I have two aesthetic uh, observations from this game. One. Uh, I don't know if you guys were listening to the announcers. I don't know who they were. I I don't think I had ever heard either of them before, but I found them frustrating to listen to. So uh, I yeah, I don't the, know. the color the color guy went to Columbia or something. Yeah, he was they, he was they, awful. They talked about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, they they were trying to do the the like Jay Billis also went to Duke thing for him, but uh, it, I don't know. It just didn't land for me. Um, so whatever. Hopefully we don't have those guys again. And. Uh, and, and that'll just move on. The other observation, uh, the USC Upstate team was allowed to wear jerseys that were too uh, pale for my liking because yeah, I had a very like hard Duke. time. I had a very yeah. hard time watching the game. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, next time someone comes to camera, just wear jerseys with like a dark color. I, I don't care. You know, doesn't matter what it is. Just don't make it look like white because Duke has worn jerseys that basically looked like that color before as home jerseys. I don't like those either, but uh, that's my, that's my observation guys. Let's talk about the Kansas game Tuesday night in Indianapolis. Duke is taking on Kansas. Depending who you ask, they might be like the number five team in the country this year. Of course they are the reigning national champions. It is the headline for the champions classic. So the game will tip off second on, on Tuesday night. So it'll be a late one for Duke fans. Let's start Donald. I, I, I want you to to kick us off. Tell us a little bit about Kansas, specifically sort of the the team that they were last year. There hasn't been th- that much this season. They've they've basically played two cupcake games the way that same way that Duke has. So I don't know how much you can take away from their play so far this season in terms of the numbers and stuff. But sort of where have they come from, and 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 what kind of team is Duke looking at on Tuesday night? Well, I mean, let's take a look at this team from this year because, I mean, they walk in as the defending national champions, uh, but they also are going to be playing this game without their coach. Bill Self was suspended for the first four games of the regular season. That includes this game on Tuesday night uh, at the Champions Classic. But, I mean... Hey, hey Donald, r- really quick, if I can, on that. I mean, think about this fact. Last year at this time, Duke and Kansas had two head coaches who had about 2,200 total um, games under their belt, like that they played this year. The two guys who will be leading the teams have coached all of four games over the past decade. Cause Norm Roberts used to be head coach of St. John's like 15 years ago. So he's not completely new, but I mean, Norm Roberts and, and John Shire just, <laughs> this is a new gig for them. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's going to maybe make this game a little bit more open. Uh, than we've seen in previous years when these two teams play. A lot of times it, it starts off kind of tight as they kind of feel the other coaches out, feel the other transitions out. But I do think for this game, you may see a more open start to the game. Obviously on Duke's side, we're not, it's it's unexpected that we see Dariq Whitehead, but obviously Lively will probably get more minutes in this game. So we're going to start seeing more and more of our stars and what they can do. But this is the test. This is the test of the, of the regular season, at least of the non-conference portion of the season. This is the one that everyone's been waiting for to kind of see where, how far along this Duke team is. The intensity is going to be at another level. The crowd is going to be a Final Four type of crowd. 
and everyone in the gym is going to be rooting against us except for that little pocket in the corner uh, right behind the Duke bench. So uh, I think when it comes to this game, these guys just got to kind of treat it like a road game and also kind of treat it with, hey, this is what we want to do. This is our goal. We want to get to the Final Four. This is what a Final Four atmosphere is going to be like. Let's shine when, this, when, when, when the lights are brightest. I love it. Jason, can you walk me through a little bit of the advanced stats such as they are on this Kansas team? Yeah, I mean, they've only played two games, as Donald said, against two teams ranked outside of the top 200. So there's not a lot of data that's really worth going on. But it's worth noting that for the most part, they look like a typical Kansas team. Uh, They play relatively fast on offense. They force you to grind it out on defense. So it takes you a while to get a good shot on defense. They're efficient and good from three-point range. And their offense tries to stop you from getting three-pointers. Or sorry, their defense, I should say, tries to stop you from getting three-pointers. Um, last year's national title team held opponents to less than 30% from three. And that is, that's the profile of a Kansas team. And that's probably very much what they will try to do in, in this game. They they don't really have anyone to replace the size that they had in the post last year with David McCormick. Um, McCormick was a, a, a really, really good center who, who to, to some extent carried them to, uh, to that national title. He was great in the final four Jalen Wilson, who was their power forward last year, has slipped over to center. He's very, very good. He's their leading scorer, but he's he's not McCormack. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, they've got good size on their wings, but Duke, for the most part, will be bigger than them. And and you you wonder if rebounding may be a little bit of an issue for Kansas. This is not a great rebounding team. A couple other players, I mentioned Jalen Wilson, a couple other players to watch out for. Dewan Harris, uh, the point guard, is back from last year. Kevin McCuller, who you may remember played for Texas Tech, was one of their best players and is considered one of the best transfers in the country. He's come over to Kansas now and brings incre- you know really, really good defense to the to the table. But then the guy to watch out for, freshman Grady Dick, a truly elite shooter. Uh, Grady Dick is averaging 17 and a half points per game. He's hitting 50% of his threes so far. Uh, this guy is, is a, a top-tier recruit, a five-star recruit, that our guys know really well. By the way, Kyle Filipowski knows him super well because they played on the USA under 21 three on three, three X three world championship team. So they hung out together for several weeks. Where was that played in Europe? It's someplace in Europe. It was like Croatia or something. I forget, but, but Kyle Filipowski and Grady Dick, you know, spent a few weeks playing together. I watched uh, a number of those games. I'm not at all surprised that Grady Dick has exploded uh, at Kansas and, and and is one of their best players because he he he's really good. You need to watch out for him. But all this said, this is not the same team that won the national title last year. They lost like four of their top five, top six players from that from that team, including arguably probably their three best players in the tournament. So it's a very different Kansas that we'll be facing this time from last time. And Jason, did you mention that Grady Dick went to high school with Mark Mitchell? No, I was going to leave that to you. I knew you had that so, stat. Go ahead. Yeah, man. they, uh, Grady Dick and Mark Mitchell, uh, went to high school together in Kansas. They're, they're Kansas guys. And so not only has he played with Kyle Filipowski, he's played with Mark Mitchell. And, and they did not go to one of these schools that's like a, a basketball powerhouse factory. This is not Sunrise Christian. It's not Oak Hill. It's not IMG Academy. So pretty cool that they, that they were in this high school class together and they were both like top 25 type recruits. So uh, they were one of the best teams in the country last year, which is not 
uh, typical for Sunrise Christian. Uh, pretty amazing that 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 was the case. And so as you, as you bring it up, Jason, uh, there should be no shortage of tape uh, from or or experience from the Duke players on on challenging Grady Dick. He's as you said, he's the, he's the only uh, freshman that's making a huge impact for Kansas this season. And so it's important, I think, that the Duke is is a little bit ahead on the scouting for that. Certainly, the fact that Kansas brings back a lot of players from last year and Duke had already pre-scouted that team that typically the way that it works in the NCAA tournament is that Duke heads into the weekend with scouting reports on all three teams that are in the pod. They'll focus the most in installing those game plans uh, on, on whatever team is actually on the schedule. But the assistant coaches of which John Shire was one last year uh, are, are in charge of doing that sort of thing. So Duke had all the, as you might think, like the, the opposition research on Kansas heading into April last year. Hopefully they're able to recycle a lot of that and then get all the knowledge they need on Grady Dick from two guys on the team, regular players on the on the team who uh, who've played with him uh, for for long stretches. You know, we've talked a lot about Grady Dick. The guy who will be most dangerous for Duke is Jalen Wilson. Uh, there's little question of that. And we have young big men for the most part. Um, and, and it is going to be a task for them dealing with Jalen Wilson in the post. And he's someone who, by the way, who can step out as well. It'll be, I think Kyle Filipowski, um, and Derek Lively are both, you know, probably will be assigned to guard Jalen Wilson a lot. And those two guys are going to have to be mobile and, and, uh, you know, go all over the floor with him. Um, uh, but that, that's, that may be the biggest matchup. If, if you, if you make life difficult for Jalen Wilson, I think this Kansas team's in real trouble because they don't have much else that can, you know, do much on the boards or inside. I wonder how much Duke is going to focus on Wilson in terms of like throwing an extra body at him and leaving other Kansas guys uh, open or or, you know, doing their best to to isolate the wrong players on him when uh, when Duke is on offense and Wilson is on defense, like getting him away from from the playmakers or getting him away from the rim. There's a I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how much that's a focus as opposed to Duke just trying their best to to, you know, have more depth and more talent to overcome Kansas. You know, to me, the really interesting thing about this game is for both these teams, they are very new. They're very different from what they were last year. They're integrating a lot of new pieces, even if it's an experience piece. And uh, they they haven't played anyone who's worth a damn. So this is the chance to see what these guys are really bringing to the table. Basically, what you guys just said is, let's just roll out the ball and play. Like, it's Tuesday night. Can it come already? <laughs> let's go. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are very much looking forward to that. Gentlemen, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Duke beats Virginia Tech in football. They're 7-3. and three. We have to keep talking about the Blue Devils on the gridiron. Stick around. So as we mentioned before the break, we have to talk about the football game. Duke uh, beats Virginia Tech 24 to 7 at Wallace Wade Stadium yesterday. 24 to 7, a Duke Virginia Tech game. Uh, now I know that Virginia Tech is terrible. They're in they're in all kinds of dire straits this year. Uh things have things have just gone terribly for the Hokies. But man, it's so cool that <laughs> that that happens and we're like, "Yep, we we kind of expected that. I don't know if that's the exact final score that I expected. I don't know that I thought that Duke could hold any team under 10 points this season, although the defense has been has been pretty good. Uh, but, you know, they let Boston College score 30. Virginia Tech scores seven points. Donald, 
What was your big takeaway from this game where Duke is is in the driver's seat now to come in second place in the Coastal Division? Unfortunately, Carolina has has locked up the division. But well, what, what did you think? First of all, for Virginia Tech fans, uh, for them being bad, that sounds like a Virginia Tech problem. I'm not going to worry about them being bad because, because <laughs> look, Duke has gone into games where we're supposed to beat teams and not beaten them in, in the past. We're beating them this year, which is terrific. I, I think the one thing I, I, I didn't get to see the football game. Uh, I saw some highlights, but here's the one stat that I need to worry about. And that stat is zero. Duke allowed zero sacks. Riley Leonard had his shirt, I mean, relatively clean. I know he rushes the ball a lot, but he was clean by his, it was dirty by his own accord, not because he was being sacked. That is, kudos to the offensive line. They were moving, move the team down the field, both in the air and on the ground, and they were keeping our jersey or, or, or the, of our quarterback clean. Perfect game for them. Like, I, I love, I, I love when you see this, the number zero for sacks because it means that the offensive line did their job. The Duke offense was able to stay on the field also for long periods of time, which I know the announcers talked about this in the second half was visibly wearing down the Virginia Tech defense. They were exhausted having to be out there with Duke. And it's not like the Duke offense was was making huge plays. There weren't big bombs down the field. There weren't enormous runs yesterday. There were a lot of sort of medium range plays where Duke was getting moving the sticks, 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards. Um, but I think the longest play that Duke had from scrimmage was something like 30 yards. So it's not like it's not like Duke was was bombing Virginia Tech out of the game. And there weren't that many possessions yesterday. What Duke was able to do was stay on the field on offense. Uh, other than that, that three and out at the beginning of the game, they were they were pretty consistent. And Virginia Tech was exhausted by the end of this. It was it was yeah. death by a thousand first downs, which <laughs> which can be fun. Yeah, and, and you know Duke had twenty four points. They could have easily been in the thirties in this game. Um, there were several sort of oops moments in the first half that took points off the board. Jordan Waters had a stiff arm TV TD, you know, where he he ran, he stiff armed a dude, put the dude on the ground, and then rushed all the way for a touchdown. And it got called back because of a, a holding penalty, and we did not get any points on that drive. So that's points that we could have gotten. Um, uh, Riley Leonard threw an interception deep in uh fairly deep in Virginia Tech territory at the very end of the game Duke was driving for what should have been another at a very least a field goal and we just sort of gave it back to them because the game was essentially over and there was no reason to rub it in well there was there was some weirdness around that Jason I thought because Duke had missed a field goal pretty badly earlier in the game yeah and I, I, w- I wish they'd given that kid another chance yeah. yeah it was it was a little weird I thought a little weird by coach Elko to be like no we I think they had like fourth and ten right there at the end and they were like yeah well we'll we'll try running it again it'll don't don't worry about the field goal the kicker's confidence might be might be kind of shot after that performance yeah yeah uh but uh, i i did want to i do want to mention that uh, you know this duke team seems to know what it wants to do so well uh i i i just i was i'm it's like it's impossible that this is the same team for the most part that we had a year ago. Uh, these guys, they, they they want to run it on offense. Uh, they 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 want to put pressure on the quarterback on defense, and they just consistently do those two things again and again and again. And I, I do want to mention, you know, the game was in uh, it was clearly in some doubt early in the game. Um, you know, Virginia Tech had that long touchdown strike in the first couple of minutes after Duke hadn't done very much, and and uh, you know we. We, we had a fourth down where 
John Tavis Robertson made a really nice catch on fourth down that that led to Duke getting our first touchdown. And 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 it really by the way, John Tavis Robertson's the guy who many people blame for the Georgia Tech loss. He had two brutal penalties in that game that took points off the board for Duke. But John Tavis Robertson exploded in this game. He had five catches including his first TD pass in a Duke uniform, uh, had a really spectacular pass catch late in the fourth quarter. I, I really thought, it, you know, for us to be adding another receiver at this point is a big deal. John Tavis Robertson looked like this dude is, is is someone who can really play. And then the other wide receiver we have to mention is Jordan Moore, who had two ridiculous – we don't talk about wide receivers enough. He had two ridiculous catches on balls that were thrown behind him. He had one on a third down, if he doesn't make that catch – Duke punts and he had one on a fourth down that obviously if he doesn't make that catch that we we turn the ball over both the balls were thrown behind him the fourth the fourth down catch was like three or four feet behind him he reached back and caught it with one hand it's the hardest thing for a wide receiver to do remember Jordan Moore was was a quarterback not two months ago and and he's making incredible catches like that I just wanted to shout out both those guys who had outstanding games at wide receiver this is a duke team that is legitimately seven and three they could easily be eight and two we should have beaten carolina it should be us playing for the for the division title but seven and three is is just outstanding we've got two tough games left and then a bowl game but i won't be surprised if this team wins ends up winning eight or nine games they're they're that good i think for the other thing that i want to point out the last stat i want to point out is the first half for virginia tech um, I know we keep going back to Virginia Tech, but I just want to credit the defense for this because here's how Virginia Tech's drives ended. They started off with a touchdown on their first drive, but after that, it was punt, 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 miss field goal, punt, downs, punt, interception. What? Like, that's not a defense that I've ever heard of. <laughs> <laughs> that's, this is fantastic when you think about the number of drives that they had, and all of them ended in like three and outs very quickly, again, off the field. Sam, you mentioned that you uh, that the team was able to keep the our offense on the field for long stretches of the game, and that was because they were able to get the defense off the field very quickly. And Duke has has two games left this season to uh, shore up that record and maybe improve its its uh, its bowl location. I'm not entirely clear. I've, I've been trying to figure out sort of what the the tiering of the ACC bowl selections are, and it seems to be just a a big old mess. So no hint yet. I guess in terms of uh, in terms of where Duke might end up in the bowl game, and by the way, they're playing two teams uh, who've had kind of weird up and down seasons. Both uh, Pitt and Wake Forest were considered very good at some point this season. Wake was was ranked pretty highly. Um, they've lost a few games, so they, they've they've fallen back down a little bit. Maybe that Duke can can take out both of them, which I did not think was going to be the case a few weeks ago. So we'll we'll keep paying attention to that, guys. We need to finish this episode with our first player of the week selection. It is our, our first one of, of the 2022, 2023 season and a few guys you could go with, but Jason Evans, I'll let you go first. Who was your player of the week for Duke men's basketball to kick off this season? It would be super easy to pick Kyle Filipowski. I spoke about him extensively earlier uh, in this podcast. He had double doubles to start his career. Again, Marvin Bagley's the only other guy in a Duke uniform to ever do that. But I'm going off the board. This is going to be a surprise. I'm taking Jalen Blakes as my player of the week. Now, it's not that Jalen Blakes had huge stats this week. Uh, he did when he played. He had, you know, nice statistical performances. But the energy that Jalen Blakes brought, 
the fact that frankly my play of the game in each game involved Jalen Blake's making phenomenal defensive plays. Um, the fact that he is a reliable shooter, scorer, creator on offense, which is something I did not, I did not think his game would be at that point, at this point in his career. And I don't know, there are going to be a lot of chances throughout the rest of the season for me to say this about him. I think that when Derek Whitehead starts playing that Jalen Blake's minutes may go down a little bit, but Jalen Blake's is my pick for player of the week. And, and it's not like a charity case. He deserves it. For me, it's flip. I mean, I said at the beginning of the show, I'll say it now. Flip was the man, a uh, double-double to start your career. And, and, you know, again, led the team in points and rebounds. Uh, he led in rebounds on both nights, but he led in points the second game. You know, got to give it to Flip for me. I, but I do like the Jalen uh, Blake's pick. Donald, I appreciate that you took Kyle Filipowski because it allows me to mention two other guys, one of whom I'm going to pick and one of whom came up just short for me. The one who came up short is Mark Mitchell, uh, had a really outstanding debut. I think I was uh, slightly down on him in our in our season preview, but he really showed that he is, I mean, certainly athletically ready to be uh, a, a key contributor on this team. And I thought he stayed in a lot of control on both ends of the floor, was able to get easy buckets and uh, create havoc on defense. So very impressed with Mark Mitchell. Sort of the same observation, Jason. I, I, I'm I wondering what is going to happen to Mark Mitchell's minutes when Dariq Whitehead comes back because he pushes him in a little bit. Uh, and, and even Derek Lively, who did not get to play a ton of minutes uh, against Upstate and obviously didn't play against Jacksonville. So I'm, I'm wondering sort of where Mitchell exactly lands in the rotation. If he stays a starter, does Tyrese Proctor not play well enough to, to maintain his starting role? Maybe Mitchell is the the small forward Derek Whitehead is the is effectively the shooting guard on this team. Man, so, that would be a big line. That'd be a big lineup. I big love lineup, that. <laughs> but but hey, Duke's been Duke's been playing a big lineup this season. So so it seems like Mitchell can handle it on the perimeter and can make space for himself. All that to I mean, be he's been, he's been the starting small forward in, in both of our games so far. So yeah. All that said, uh, I'm taking Jeremy Roach. Had an incredibly steady week for Duke and and displayed, I think, a lot of the qualities that we're looking for him to have this season. I've talked a lot about how, you know, the 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 production of this team is going to be based around Jeremy Roach's leadership. And he displayed a lot of that. Also put up some good numbers, uh, 12 assists to five turnovers this week. Five is too many turnovers, but 12 is a lot of assists. So uh, I'm very happy to see that Jeremy Roach is out there facilitating. He was playing good, uh, scrappy defense. And I, I love I love seeing that from him. I hope that his confidence maintains, and I hope that he's able to have a great game uh, against Kansas. He's obviously bringing uh, the experience against them, which which a lot of other guys don't have. This may be, I think this is the first time we mentioned his name on this episode of the podcast. So which is kind of, yeah, your yeah, play of the week I had did him, not get mentioned in the game recap. <laughs> I had him in, I had him in the good. Uh, and, and I just, I don't know. I got, I got myself lost here. Uh, when I, when I host, I, I, I find that I just don't make the points that I have written down. I let you guys make them and you usually make the ones that I was going to say anyway. So with that, uh, everyone's got three different picks for player of the week, which is, and I can't, I can't believe that none of us took Mark Mitchell. Mark Mitchell led the team in scoring this. Week. I said, I said <laughs> that I was giving him the, the special shout out. So there were basically four players of the week this week. And I love that for Duke. Two guys have led Duke in scoring so far this season. So we're off to a good balanced start to the, to the basketball season. So with that, Stay in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back later this week after Duke takes on Kansas in the Champions Classic. Should be a fun one. Hope you get to tune into that. 
So for Jason Evans and for Donald Wine, I am Sam Klein. This is the Duke Basketball Report podcast, and this is the Duke Band to take us home.